If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Mark chapter number 1. Mark chapter number 1. Mark chapter number 1. And I want to preach this morning on hardships. And sometimes as Christians, uh, we think that life should be easy. And that uh, sometimes we think that, you know, well, God promised that he would be with us and therefore everything will be easy. But that's not always true. God did promise that he would be with us and God did promise that he would not leave us nor forsake us. But just as those disciples were in that boat on rough water, it was still rough water. Uh, and it was still a storm that took place in their life. And he did not promise uh, smooth sailing or easy roads sometimes in our life. And sometimes we find hardship and difficulties in this lifetime. And uh, listen, uh, we're not the only ones who suffer hardship and we're not the only ones who suffer difficulties. Jesus himself in his ministry uh, suffered hardship and suffered some difficulties. And, uh, and may we find comfort in the fact that Jesus himself had hardships and Jesus himself had difficulties in his life while he was here on this earth. Uh, Mark chapter number one, and look with me at verse number 12. The Bible says, And immediately the Spirit driveth him into the wilderness, and he was there in the wilderness forty days, tempted of Satan. And he was with the wild beasts, and the angels ministered unto him. Now after that, John was put in prison. Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. And let's stop right there and let's pray. Father, we thank you just for your goodness to us. And Father, we thank you for uh, your many blessings in our life. And God, even in the time of hardships and even in the time of troubles, God, we do thank you that you are there with us. And God, that you have promised that you'll never leave us nor forsake us. And God, I pray that even in our lifetime, even as we find hardships, God, that we would uh, continue to look to you. God, we'd continue to draw closer to you. And Father, we'll thank you for that. And God, I pray that you'd use me. I pray, Father, that you'd speak through me as only you can. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Sometimes when we think of the life of Jesus Christ, we don't necessarily think of the hardships that he went through. We don't think of the difficulties that he did suffer. Matter of fact, we tend to think sometimes that because he was God, that all things were just came uh, easy for him and difficult and that there was no real hardships or difficulties other than, of course, we understand and know the cross of Calvary was certainly a hardship in the life of Christ. But even as he lived his life, uh, there were things that did affect him. You do have to remember that Jesus was 100% God. There's no denying that. We know that. We understand that. And at the same time, he was 100% man. Now, how that works out, I don't quite grasp all of that. And uh, if you someday get it all figured out, uh, let me know, all right? And I can tell you this, when we get to heaven, God will straighten us all out and we'll understand those things far better than we do now. But I do know this, that God, uh, that Jesus was man. He did, the Bible says that he hungered. The Bible says, he said on the cross, I thirst. 
uh, he did feel pain, he did feel emotion, and so with that being said, you do have to understand and realize that Jesus would have a bad day just like you and I may have. And he would suffer difficulties in his life. We look here in our text in Mark chapter number 1 and verse number 12. The Bible says, this is right after he was baptized. It says, and immediately the Spirit driveth him into the wilderness. And we find in verses 12 and 13, look with me at verse 13. And he was there in the wilderness 40 days tempted of Satan and was with the wild beasts, and the angels ministered unto him. Now Mark does not give us a great expanse of the temptations of Jesus Christ. They are written in Matthew chapter 4, and you can find them in the book of the Gospel of Luke as well. But just going on what Matthew, or Mark has says here, uh, he says, listen, that he was led away into the wilderness, and that he was tempted. Listen, the temptation was a trying time for Jesus Christ. It was a difficult time. You and I suffer temptation, and we know what it is like. And it is a trying time. It is difficulty. Uh, and sometimes uh, it's harder than others. And so we think about this. I want us to look at here at verse number 12, and I want you to notice this little fact. The Bible says, And immediately the Spirit driveth him into the wilderness. And I put down there for that, that uh, under the temptation, that there is the prompting of the Spirit. Listen, we ought to be Spirit-led in our life. We ought to be following the Spirit. And listen, just because you are following the Spirit does not guarantee or mean that you will never be tempted in your life. Jesus Christ was following the Spirit. Matter of fact, the Spirit, the Bible says, led Him. In, and I think it says in the Gospel of Matthew that He was led. We say here in Mark that He was driven into the wilderness. That God was, the prompting of the Holy Spirit was so strong that, that Jesus said, Hey, I must go to the wilderness. And He followed uh, what was the leading and prompting of the Holy Spirit. And listen, in our lives, we ought to follow the leading and prompting of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in, in Romans 8.1, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. I was reading just my personal devotions this morning in the book of Galatians, and it said, This I say then, walk in the Spirit. And we're commanded as Christians to walk in the Spirit, to follow the prompting of the Spirit, to follow the leading of the Spirit. And God was leading uh, Jesus Christ, and He led Him out to the wilderness, and the Bible says that He was tempted there. Now, I, wanted, I do want to say this, that God did not lead Jesus into a sin-filled location. Lest somebody would say, well, you know, I was following the Spirit and, and He led me into a bar. No, no, that's not what... Jesus was not led into a place of wickedness and a sin-filled, perverse place. Understand that. Uh, and God will not lead you into a place of, of wickedness and sin. But that is not to say either that you will never face temptation in your life because we will face temptation in our life. And God will lead us sometimes in a place where there will be temptation that will come across our path. And so God was leading Jesus and Jesus was following the Spirit. 
And uh, listen, this was a, a hard time for Jesus. It was a time of dif difficulty. And, uh, and he was following the Spirit. Look with me at verse number 12. It says, It driveth him into the wilderness. There was the prompting of the Spirit, but there is a place of proving. We see that with the nation of Israel as well, uh, that is very clear that after they had come out of Egypt, uh, they got, God had brought them to a place of proving where there was no water and there was difficulty. Listen, Jesus was brought out into the wilderness. I don't know if you've ever been, when I think of a wilderness, I tend to think of a desert, but it does not necessarily have to be a desert place. It could be a very wooded area that is a wilderness. But uh, nonetheless, Jesus was led out into a wilderness. You know, a wilderness is a lonely place. There's no other people there. Listen, Jesus was just as human as you and I without sin and without the, the, the flesh and, and the desire for sin like you and I have. But nonetheless, He was led out into a wilderness. And in that wilderness, it was a lonely place. I don't know if you've ever been uh, lonely or by yourself, but listen, Jesus experienced loneliness. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us that He was out there for 40 days. You could imagine uh, that it got lonely. My wife, she uh, went visit family, I don't know, last week or week four or whatever, and she was gone for two days, and she wasn't gone five, six hours, and I was already talking to myself. I was talking to the dog, I was talking to the coffee pot, I was anything that was there, I just start talking to it because, you know, you get lonely. Jesus was out there and you know that Jesus had to feel lonely as he was there in the wilderness. He had nobody that was there with him. There were no followers, there were no disciples. He was by himself in that wilderness. I remember when we moved to Peru, and uh, moved from Peru rather, and when we were in Peru, man, we had friends, we had missionary co-workers that were like family to us, and, and the missionaries would get together, and we had lots of friends, and, and when we moved to Italy, uh, boy, you talk about lonely. You say, well, there was people there. I know there was people there, but there was no Americans there. We had no fellowship for two years. There was, I mean, uh, we had to drive three hours across the island to find another American and, and, and have a good fellowship with them. And, and it was just a time of, of loneliness. And, and I know what it's like to be out there uh, with, with nobody around. And Jesus was in that place. Listen, maybe in your life you suffer difficulty because your loneliness. Listen, Jesus knows how you feel. He spent time in that wilderness. Not only is a wilderness lonely, but I thought of a wilderness, and I think of a wilderness as lacking necessities. There wasn't everything that you need there. Jesus just didn't go to the market and, and, uh, and buy, buy food and buy the things that He needed. Uh, there, was, there was not the uh, regular accommodations that are in a wilderness. Uh, there was no bed and, and, and pillow and uh, heat or air conditioning. I mean, He was left in the elements and He was left. He, didn't have, uh, he couldn't just pop some coffee in a, in a microwave and warm it up. There weren't all the conveniences. 
And listen, sometimes in our life, you'll go through uh, times of, of bare necessities where, hey, you may not have everything that you wish you had, and sometimes you'll go without things that you wish that you could have. And I'm just saying that that was a trial in the life of Jesus. He certainly did go without things. And I'm not even talking about modern day conveniences that we have today. I'm talking about, hey, he barely would probably have food. Matter of fact, the Bible says that he fasted. He didn't even have food with him. And I'm saying it was a place where he lacked necessities. And sometimes in our life, listen, there will be problems, there will be trials, there will be difficulties when we'll be lonely in a wilderness, we'll be without necessity in a wilderness. And I'm just telling you, and I'm just pointing out the fact that, hey, Jesus has been there. And He knows what you feel. And He knows where you're at. Jesus suffered in these temptations. Not only that, but I want you to notice the period of temptation. And I kind of alluded to that. It was 40 days. The Bible says there in verse number 13, and he was in the wilderness 40 days tempted of Satan. Many times we'll take the passage there in, in Matthew, and I myself am guilty of this, and we think, well, there was three great temptations, and it was this, and we'll dissect them and bring them all down, and we know everything about those three temptations. Listen, it's very possible, it's very plausible that in those 40 days there was more than just three temptations. He was very probably tempted in more ways than what is written. Maybe He only gave us those three ways to the disciples and to Matthew. Maybe He gave them uh, that, but He didn't tell them about the rest of the temptations. And I'm just saying that, hey, Jesus would suffer temptation in His life of loneliness and necessity, and then the temptations that would come from the outside as Satan was tempting Him. And we can certainly see that uh, He was struggling during this time. As we think of hardships, maybe it's a hardship that you go through and, and the temptation and, and maybe the, uh, the not having what you need or the loneliness that you struggle with. And I'm just saying that Jesus is there with you. But I want you to notice this last phrase in verse 13. It says, and the angels ministered unto him. Praise the Lord that there was somebody that was ministering. And listen, you may suffer loneliness, you may suffer need, you may suffer temptation, you may suffer from all of those things, but I'm telling you this, that God will not leave you alone because He did promise, hey, I am with you, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And God is going to be with you through those trials. He had angels. We have the Holy Spirit that is with us through thick and thin and with us through every trial and every temptation. And I'm just saying that Jesus suffered through this time of temptation. Not only a time of temptation and going into the wilderness, but look with me at verse number 14. The Bible says this, Now after that, John was put in prison. After that, what? Jesus had been out in the wilderness for 40 days. Jesus had suffered need of food. Jesus had suffered loneliness. Jesus had suffered all the temptations that were thrown at Him, and we don't even know all of them, uh, but He was tempted and tried while He was there in the wilderness. And as soon as He comes back on the scene, as soon as He arrives back in civilization, and He grabs the newspaper, the heading reads, John the Baptist thrown in prison. You say, wait a minute, what? What do you mean? I mean this, that 
Jesus had just arrived from all of that temptation and all of the trials and all of the hardship of being in the wilderness, had just come back into town and realized, hey, that John the Baptist had been thrown in prison. Now, who was John the Baptist? Well, John the Baptist, as we look at, uh, there was a lot of ties to Jesus from John the Baptist. And we can not only see temptation in verses 12 and 13, but I want you to notice the trial of loss in verses 14 and 15. Uh, who was John the Baptist? Well, John the Baptist was actually the, the cousin, or it would be a second cousin of Jesus Christ. You know, that's humanly speaking. Of course, Jesus was of God. But on the side of part of Mary, his mother, uh, she was cousins with Elizabeth, and Elizabeth had given birth to John the Baptist, and so they were, uh, it was his cousin's cousin, so a second cousin or whatever that is, but nonetheless there were family ties with John the Baptist and John, uh, Jesus and, and John the Baptist. Not only that, but uh, John the Baptist uh, was born really as a miracle child, if I can say it that way, after uh, Elizabeth and, and Zacharias had been married for many years and she was barren and, and was not able to have children. Listen, the Bible says that in her old age, you remember the story, that Zacharias was a priest in the temple and God said, listen, you're going to have a child and I want you to name this child uh, uh, John the Baptist. And, and, and Zacharias, was, he, he wasn't for sure about that. And God said, hey, then I'm not going to let you talk. And he came out of that temple, mute. And he said they gave him a tablet and he had to write down everything. He didn't know sign language. He had to write down everything he wanted to say. And not until John the Baptist was born uh, and he called his name John, uh, was he able to speak. And we find that he was really a child uh, out of old age and, and yet uh, he had godly parents, Zacharias and Elizabeth. The Bible makes a good point of saying they were godly people. And so obviously because of that, that family tie, but then that spiritual tie as well of just being uh, raised as God, from godly parents and, and being a godly person. Uh, listen, Jesus and and John the Baptist were probably closer than really what we have written and what we have given to us. There were family ties. There were also spiritual ties as we look at it because he was the forerunner of Jesus Christ. He was the one that came and, and said, hey, prepare ye the way, uh, make his path straight. And he was the one that gathered a crowd and, and had uh, people that were following. And he's saying, hey, there's one that's coming that is greater than I. He was, of course, referring to Jesus Christ. Not only that, but John the Baptist was the one who baptized Jesus. We didn't read that, we didn't look at that, but just prior to all of this, of him going to the wilderness and, and all of that, he was baptized of John the Baptist. And, and God said, uh, hey, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And we find that there was a tie between Jesus and John the Baptist. And I say all that to say this, that hey, when John the Baptist was thrown in prison, you don't think that bothered Jesus? I mean, here it was. Family tie, if I could say it that way. A spiritual friend, somebody that was, uh, that was carving the way for Jesus Christ and, and somebody who had ministered to Jesus Christ and, and baptized Jesus Christ and, and for Jesus to come back after all the temptation in the wilderness and the 40 days without food and the 40 days of temptation and come back into town and read and find out and hear, hey, did you hear? John the Baptist was thrown in prison. 
that'd be discouraging to find out, wow, man, I, I didn't, didn't know that was going to happen. And to lose somebody that was close to him and see them thrown in jail. And listen, I was thinking about this. And, and John, John the Baptist was only six months older than Jesus. So roughly, John the Baptist was only about 30 years old. And here he is thrown in jail. And that, I'm sure that affected Jesus. And I'm sure that bothered Jesus. John was not thrown in prison for some wrong that he had done. John was thrown in prison for standing for righteousness and saying, listen, uh, he told the king, what you're doing uh, is wrong. He married his, his brother's wife or something of that nature, and, and he had taken her as his own wife. And, and, and John the Baptist was saying, listen, what you are doing is wrong, and it should not be done. And John the Baptist was thrown in prison uh, because of that. And he spent a year in prison, and about a year later, uh, he was finally uh, put to death. And you say, man, that's hard. And I'm just saying Jesus had a, hardships in his life. He'd suffered all the temptation and then to come back and find John was imprisoned uh, for doing what is right. And I'm sure that it was a discouragement to him. The Bible says this in Proverbs 29.2, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice, but when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. And there's just something about the wickedness of what was going on in that day and John being thrown in prison that would certainly bring a mourning about for Jesus and it would make him sad for the fact that uh, his loss of his friend and, and somebody fellow servant in the faith and, and it would bother him. I'm just saying there was a trial of the loss. There was the temptation in the wilderness. But I want you to notice how Jesus responded to all of that. How did Jesus respond to the temptation? How did Jesus respond to the 40 days in the wilderness? How did Jesus respond to the fact that, uh, that John was thrown in prison? Look with me there in verse number, um, verse number 15, 14. We'll pick it up. Now after that, John was put in prison. Look at what it says. Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God. And saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Through all the hardships and through all the, the trial and through the temptation and through uh, the, the loneliness and the lack of necessities and then coming back and finding John thrown in prison, we find that, hey, Jesus didn't quit. He didn't throw in the towel. He didn't say, well, you know, enough is enough. I, I'm not going to continue going down this road. He said, you know what? I'm going to come and I'm going to do what God has called me to do. And he went out and he preached the gospel. That was his answer to hardship. That was his answer to the trial. That was his response to all the difficulties. He didn't throw in the towel and quit and give up. The Bible says uh, in 2 Corinthians 2.14, Now thanks be to God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ and make manifest the Savior of His knowledge by us in every place. 
Listen, sometimes you'll go through troubles. Sometimes you'll have temptation. Sometimes you'll suffer loss of, of, of friends and loved ones. But listen, the response is not to give up and quit and say, well, you know, that's, uh, I've suffered all I can suffer. But the response ought to be like Jesus. Hey, you know what? I'm going to continue doing what God would have me to do. That's what Jesus did. And listen, he triumphed in that mystery or in that, in that ministry. He triumphed in what he was doing. He had hardships, yes, but he had, he had uh, triumph over top of that. He came back and he went out and he started preaching immediately. Don't give up a, a late Swedish diplomat, Dag uh, Harmanskold. I did, did not pronounce his last name properly and I cannot even spell it for you. It's crazy. Said this, he wrote this, when the morning's freshness has been replaced by the weariness of midday, when the leg muscles quiver under the strain, the climb seems endless, and suddenly nothing will go quite as you wish, it is then that you must not hesitate. He was unwilling to give up. He refused to quit. The successful life described by uh, Christ requires faithfulness until death. A hand on the plow with no looking back. Steadfast perseverance. Racing hard for the tape. Fighting for the good fight of faith. The devil loves it when we simply relax our efforts. He has a good day if we become discouraged. There are temptations to overcome. Disappointments to handle. Personal sins that beset us. Burdens that depress us. And Satan is standing by urging that we quit trying. But wait, Christ is present. The Bible says in Hebrews 12.3, For consider Him that endured such contradiction of sinners against Himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your mind. Someone once asked James J. Colbert, uh, at that time, heavyweight champion of the world, what was the most important thing a man must do to become a champion? And it's talking about boxing. And he replied, fight one more round. The Duke of Wellington said that the British soldiers of the Battle of Waterloo were not any braver than Napoleon's soldiers, but they were brave for five minutes longer. That is about it for the Christian. A secret for success is fight just one more round. Be brave for five more minutes. It is the difference between defeat and victory. And you say 40 days of suffering and 40 days of temptation and then coming back to the news and I don't know how long. But listen, Jesus didn't quit. He didn't give up. He didn't throw in the towel. He said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go out and I'm going to preach the Gospel. And He went out and immediately He started preaching to those that were around Him and His message was simple. He said, the time is fulfilled. The Kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the Gospel. Jesus went out preaching. What, a, what an amazing example to us. Listen, when you get discouraged in life, when hardship comes and trials come and loneliness and need and necessity and loss, hey, just keep doing what God wants you to do. Just keep living for Him. Just keep serving Him. Don't quit for Jesus. It was preaching. And look with me at verses 16 and, and down through 18. What was the result of His preaching? Look with me there. 
and straightway, go with me to verse number 16, excuse me. Now, as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus said to them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. And straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. Go on to verse 19. And when, they, when he had gone a little further thence, he saw James the son of Zebedee and John his brother who also were in the ship mending their nets. And straightway he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the ship and hired servants and went after him. And, and they went into Capernaum and straightway on the Sabbath he entered into the synagogue and taught. You know the, what was the result? of Jesus just continuing to do what was right. He continued to preach. He continued to do what God had sent him to do. And he went and, and he walked by these disciples. And I'm forever amazed at this passage. Jesus walked by and he said, follow me. You know what they did? They did that. They forsook their nets. They left everything and they followed Jesus Christ. And what I'm saying is, listen, Jesus had hardships. He suffered difficulties in his life. But he didn't quit and he didn't give up and he went out and preached and you find that, listen, hey, people started coming. And his disciples started following him. I'm always amazed at those that Jesus walked by and said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Went by Matthew at the receipt of custom and said, hey, follow me. And he left his books and followed Jesus. And, and people started following. Why? Because Jesus was obedient. And listen, there is triumph in faithfulness. The Bible says in Galatians chapter number 6, I have to find it because I don't remember exactly how it starts, but Galatians chapter 6. I believe it's number 19 if I'm not mistaken. No, it's not because there is no 19. It's 9. And let us be not weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Hey, just keep working at it. Just keep plugging away. You say, well, this has gone wrong, and that's gone wrong, and this difficulty, and that struggle, and this hardship, and that hardship. And, and listen, Jesus, Jesus' life was not perfect. Jesus' life had difficulties in it. Jesus had people walk away from his ministry. But you know what? He just kept faithful, serving, and doing what God would have him to do. Listen, hardships will come. Difficulties will come. But you keep serving God. And as it says, we will reap in due season if we faint not. Don't give up. Just keep serving. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you, Father, for your great example in Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. God, the temptation that was endured, the discouragement that was 
thrown your way. And God, if we were honest, probably not even the half of it is written in your word of the struggles of life. And yet, God, the greatest challenge laid ahead of the cross of Calvary. God, we thank you for your faithfulness, the example that was set. God, an example that we should follow in your steps. God, certainly hardship comes and difficulties. And God, we ask that you'd help us to be faithful. Help us to be committed. Strengthen us that we'd continue forward. Father, we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As the piano begins to play, if God's spoken to your heart, maybe it's struggles you have, maybe it's temptations, maybe it's loneliness, maybe it's loss, maybe it's necessities, maybe you're tempted to throw in the towel, maybe you're tempted to stop. Jesus gave us a wonderful example. Just being faithful. Serving the Lord through hardship. Serving the Lord through difficulties. Being faithful.